Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Season with Peter Schrager. If you're listening, you might see in your feed that uh, we have another podcast for the Super Bowl. It's with Dan Soder. He's a diehard 49ers fan. He's a stand-up comedian. He's one of the most successful stand-up comedians in the game right now. We had an amazing hour-long talk uh, heading into the Super Bowl and his experience being a Niners fan going into it. But I wanted to give a bonus odd for those who might be traveling on Friday night, might be traveling on Saturday, might be at the gym, getting ready for the Super Bowl. And this is a two-parter here. The first part is going to be an interview with a hero of mine and a guy that I think is quite arguably the most influential person uh, for me doing what I do every day on a microphone, and that's Chris Mad Dog Russo. If you want the backstory, long before he was on ESPN, tearing it up on first take, Chris Mad Dog Russo was the voice of my childhood on sports. He and uh, Mike Francesa had the Mike and the Mad Dog show on WFAN, and they didn't just hit local sports. They would hit everything. They would hit uh, you know, Sopranos episodes. They would hit what's going on in, in, in politics. They would talk about movies. They would talk about everything. And it was two guys who weren't necessarily best friends, but they came from different paths and they made great, great art together. Um, I've always wanted to interview Mad Dog. Now, I've been on Francesca's uh, show a bunch. I've been on Francesca's pot. I never had a chance to really you know, meet mad dog and with super bowl being in las vegas and knowing what a hit he's been with some of his takes over the last few months i really went out there and i i tried to be aggressive in landing mad dog for our super bowl episode well he agreed to do the podcast and what we're going to do is i'm going to toss to the interview which i think is great and then i'm going to give you my official super bowl prediction uh and then we're going to call it a day and call it a weekend and we're going to go enjoy some wings and some chips and go watch some football so with no further ado christopher mad dog russo With no further ado, I've said it time and time again, he's my favorite person in sports media. I grew up watching Mike and the Mad Dog, and I'm just so in awe of what he's done since then. I love the second chapter, third chapter, and now we're in this chapter where a whole new audience is learning about him from first take, and he's incredible, and his Wednesday rants are some of the best things on television or radio right now. Uh, no further ado, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, welcome. Peter, nice to have you with us. I was not realized you were such a huge fan, so right out of the gate, I get a nice little bonus on a Thursday afternoon. Go ahead. Dude, I remember you sending Mark Malusis to a bar in Jersey while he was- Oh my God, do you remember that? Oh, you are a big fan. I, oh you don't understand. This is, this is my entire childhood from one o'clock to six o'clock. I would listen to you guys religiously. I've been on friends. Oh, you were that oh, wrapped was, up in I mean, it? Wow. Talk Iron wow. Eagle as your producer. I remember listening then. I mean, this is this is how far I go back with you guys. So so you're talking 90, the 94 stretch is like, you know, this legendary. You guys going back from Vancouver to Houston, sitting in the airport and the whole thing. Oh, my God. You are, geez, you're a groupie. Unbelievable. Um, it's so funny. You referenced in your recent 
rant about. I got mad. I got mad at Mike on that chip because he wouldn't go to Vancouver. So the station made him go out there for game six when the Rangers had a chance to win the cup. Mike wouldn't want to go. It was a Saturday night, but they made him go. That was funny. So what was it? Game six was in Vancouver. Was that the shootout game? And there was a Uh, game six. They got killed. They lost three or four. Nothing. Okay. Because they lost game one at home. Yes, they did. In overtime hits the goal. Uh, And then a couple. And then they won three in a row. Then they won three in a row. And then we come back to game seven. And of course, you guys were in the saddle, but I don't remember game six. Yeah, game six was a Saturday night. I'm going to think the score was three nothing. Remember, they had a huge, they were up three one, and they lost game five at the Garden, eight to five or something like that. Everybody thought they were going to win the game and celebrate their cup. Had to go back to Vancouver. That's the one that Mike didn't want to go to. This is a Saturday night show. But we flew to Vancouver, did the show. Flew back to New York. And remember, game seven was two days later. They had the extra day for game seven. That was a Tuesday night. Game six was in Vancouver on a Saturday night. And game seven of Knicks Rockets, I want to say it was on a weekend. I remember watching John Starks on a weekend. Uh, Game game seven, uh, game six. Yeah, it was on a Sunday. Yes. You're right. Yes. It was on a Sunday. Um, No, dude. And then. No, no, check that. No. Game. Let's see. The Knicks went back to Houston up 3 2. Yes, they lost two yes. games. Game seven, game six was a Sunday night. Maybe that's what after I'm the thinking. U.S. Open golf, and game seven was on Wednesday. Got it in Houston. Good job, boy. You're sharp. sharp no, these sharp, were sharp. these were the years, and then obviously during the San Francisco Giants runs, and you know coming up short, and Barry Bonds killing you, and swing the bat, Barry. I mean, I'm telling you, your stuff is legendary. I, my friend, we got my whole crew. We all worship you, and it's just so cool to have you here. I. To start it, during the Dan Campbell rant you had, which went viral and was amazing, you referenced the, the, you know, the sports geeks, whatever, they wouldn't know Lombardi from Paul Brown. And that's what I take away from this because I do the Good Morning Football. Today I did a six-minute segment on Derek Thomas and how number 58, Super Bowl 58, he died 24 years ago today. Oh, did he? And really? how it's, yeah, it's crazy that Derek Thomas isn't alive to see this because when I think about the Chiefs of that era, there was Marty Schottenheimer and Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and Deron Cherry and Albert Lewis, and they would come up short. And I go to this because is there a place for the sports historian and the guys like you and me who no, like there's you, not. you referenced you referenced Otto Graham a couple months ago and people like made fun of you online. I'm like, are you serious? Like, of course Otto Graham. That's it. but I, I find myself speaking into a wind tunnel sometimes when I'm referencing Sonny Jurgensen. 100% right, Peter. I think that's been a lost start. I think, you know, remember, it's also 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Whether they were talking, uh, you know, 1970s sports talk, were they talking about uh, Garrick and DiMaggio? Who knows? But it is a lost start. The historical knowledge of the young podcaster, sports talk show host, media personality is a disaster. Uh, I don't know how you're going to solve that. You know, uh, when, and I love Olaski, but Dan Olaski, who I love, good guy, despite my comment this week, when he didn't put Joe Montana as top five of all time quarterbacks, I mean, come on. I mean, he's five and four and oh in Super Bowls, three MVPs, 11 touchdowns, and no interceptions. And even that's not that long ago. It's in the early no. 80s. So if, you, if that is uh, too long for a lot of the young guys, then how the hell is Otto Graham going to be in there? who was in 10 straight championship games between 1945 and 1955. So it's a lost art. I don't care what the the young fan thinks. I'm going to bring that up constantly. When somebody dies, they always call me that I do great with dead guys, with old guys who drop dead because I always put Ernie Acorsi on or somebody like that. (laughs) Uh, I always do that. 
I do it for all the sports. I specifically do it for football with Ernie, but I do it with baseball too. And I, you know, it's my childhood. And since my childhood in sports is significant, you know, when I was 11, your age, when you were listening yep. to Mike and myself, if it means something to me, I'm going to do it. And that's yeah. all there is to it. And since I'm 63 going on 64 years of age, uh, you know, and still doing this, if somebody died who I 50 years ago loved and now he's dead, I'm going to talk about it. And if Absolutely. you don't like it, all right, I'll live with it. But the key to it is if you're a talk show host, sell it. If mm -hmm. it means something to you as a fan and you're emotional about it and, and passionate about it, you can convince the audience that it means something to them. So that's, that's my approach. So if it means something to Christopher Russo when, uh, you know, Jim Brown dies, well then, you know, God darn it, if it means something to me, I'm going to tell you about it. And my enthusiasm will hopefully convince you that it should be mentioned and it will mean something to you. That's the philosophy. That's great. There's a great uh, author, Michael McCambridge, who I'm sure oh, you I know. Love him. He's incredible out of St. Louis. He just wrote a book called The Big Time, and it's all about 70s yep. sports. And it goes through free agency in the NFL, and it goes through you know everything from Dr. J having to have to be sold off from the from the New York Nets when they become the New Jersey, all this stuff. And it's so interesting. And I want to share it with people. And it's like, I don't know if there's an audience anymore, if anyone gives a shit about uh, what the World Tennis Association uh, Good point. Was. I did McCambridge twice in the last six months. I did not read the original book that he did, The League, which came out in 02, which is, which is a tremendous book. Ooh. And I got, a, I got a hold of that. And for some reason, I didn't read it at the time. So I put him on last summer for an hour. And then this book came out in October the uh, 70s book, and I put him on again for an hour. So in the last six months, I've had him on for an hour apiece. That's another thing, Peter, that people find out with me. I will always do book authors, and when I put a book author yep. on, I put them on for 60 minutes. I... I think you had Sinatra, a Sinatra biographer earlier this, early this week, which I love. We're in Vegas. I would love to hear about Yeah, I did 30 minutes on that. Now, that one was a little shorter because I'm at Vegas. I, I was Super Bowl. I only did that one for 30 minutes. But most authors of books, I will do an hour because the guy sold this book. He wrote a book. I enjoyed it. And I want to make sure he sells as many copies as he possibly can. I'll tell you one from a few years ago. I ran into a Sid, Lug Sid Luckman book on the Bears. I'd love to read that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I found it. I got it. Somebody, I found it, read it. I love the book. I put the guy on the air. The book came out about 10 years ago. I put the guy on the air on a Friday for an hour. Yep. He, the, you know, on Amazon, that hour, the book like jumped 3,000 spots. And he emailed Eddie Erickson, our producer, to say, yep. holy Thank, tell Chris, thank you for how many books I've sold in the last hour. I don't care. My job is to sell the guy his book if I like the book. If I like the book, you should like the book too. And so I like to give the author an hour if, I, if, if it's a book I enjoy. I take pride in it. I've got enough clout on our morning show, Good Morning Football, where I can say, hey, I want to do a segment on this. And they'll just be like, all right, the guy out of the way. Now, what I have, which is incredible, and it's underutilized at the NFL Network and NFL Media, I have access to the entire NFL Films vault. So I could call for, I want to see an Air Coriel piece that Steve Sable did in 76. Can we find something? Or I want to do a piece, you know, so everyone knows who Burt Bell was. Like, can we find that? And it's, I, again, there's a niche audience that loves it and appreciates it. I feel like you and I are kindred spirits. And like, I, I don't know if you have this. I have the photographic memory where if you mention a Kent Graham Giants game from 98, I could tell you exactly what happened. Oh, absolutely. And, Good one. And it's special to me to do that. And then this week, 
going through all these Niners Super Bowls. I could talk about all these Niners teams because I grew up with it. And you notice that it might not be the vocal majority online, but the real fans absolutely love it and appreciate it. I did the same thing in the last three weeks. I watched the two championship games on on the NFL films, the 79er Dallas game, 17-10, Kizar, last last game ever played there. 1957, right? Oh, well, that's 70. Okay, sorry. That was the Niner game. Yep. I watched the 57 game too. And then I watched the 71 Niner Dallas championship game in Dallas when Dallas beat them 14 3. Okay, I thought you were talking uh, Lions, Lions Niners 57 because I went back and I watched that one from 57 and then 71. I watched because it was the last time Baltimore hosted an AFC championship game. I watched Oakland. Baltimore Oakland, which there's like 20 you know Hall, I put on, 20 Hall you know of Famers in on, the game. Yeah, you know who I put on two weeks ago in a Baltimore Oakland game? Norm Bulash, <laughs> five o'clock for a half hour. Come on! So I will do that. It was their last AFL championship yeah. game, as you said, before the game here against uh, Kansas City for the Ravens. I do the same thing. So you and I are kindred spirits as far as the history is concerned. You also mentioned on a, uh, an either a podcast or someone, I was listening to an interview, maybe it was with Kevin Clark, who I like, and I think he's really good at what he does. You were saying, you don't do the whole watch the pregame shows. Well, I'm on the Fox pregame show where we did 11 straight hours. Yes, I'm on the NFL Network one this year, which are doing 10 straight hours. You don't watch those. What is no. your, op- your thought? It's just, I do this for a living. I'm good. Let's just get to kickoff. Well, first off, I've also been here for a week. So, I mean, You're good. I might watch the Sunday game with the CBS. They're going to do a history of the CBS You're thing. looking live. Yeah. It's the, uh, I, I read that book also. That was about one o'clock. About I think 11. it's one o'clock Eastern. Yeah. yeah it's about the McManus. NFL today. I got McManus on today. I'll get some details on that. Uh, I don't watch the pregame at all. Um, I don't want to go to any party. Uh, my kid called me today from Wisconsin, and he said that podcast got some juice with me saying I want to watch the game by myself with no interruption. I want to sit in my freaking little room mm-hmm. with the door shut, mm-hmm. with the game on around 6 o'clock, and it's the last football game you're going to watch until September and it's the last time you're really a guy like me. You have to do it more than I would with the draft and the free agency and the schedule. I don't do as much of it as you would do. But once that game is over on Friday, Sunday night, you don't got a lot to work with with the NFL, and we need that. So I'll be quiet as far as the sports talk is concerned. It gets to be a little bit of a, a low. But I will watch the games by myself, watch the game by myself, nothing fancy, uh, and I won't sit there and watch three hours of the pregame. I'll probably put it on around 5, 5.15 and have it on. Not watch it, but have it on at least. It's funny because I, I sat down with Mahomes for the NFL Network one. It's a big Oh, that's like, a good one. Good for good you. Good get. It's great. I've known him since he was in college. Kingsbury's that's a That's a great job on your part. Thank good you. Good job. And he's great in it. But to tell, you know, 12 hours of pregame. I, I, yeah, I, wanted, I want that to be aired and that to be seen. But like how many times can we talk about the X factor in the game? A hundred percent. But having Mahomes, that's a great, that's a great coup for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 listen, I think getting to Sunday at 630 is very difficult because, you know, there's not a lot on early in the day. There'll be some NBA or college basketball, yeah. but getting to Sunday at 630 is a very difficult proposition. It's a long day in the East before you get to the game. So that's a problem. You got to kill the day per, per se. But, uh, I, you know, 
and Monday will be easy, Tuesday will be easy, and then it will be a little slow from a sports Tough. talk standpoint. You have to live with it we'll do. We, harder we, than I do, we kinda but it'll be a little slow. And we do a little parade talk Wednesday. Who's going to be funny on the parade? And we do a little, and it's like, let's get to the end of the week. Uh, for me, I, you know, I'm on these studio shows. What's your studio show like if you were building it? I do, with this, I do Bill Simmons' podcast every Friday, and his thing is there's just too many. 100%. Like we don't Way need too 16 many guys. guys. There's six so, guys on there. So give me your dream. Make your dream studio halftime post-game. Who are the people? You need a host and, be, and two people. Uh, you don't need six, seven guys. I mean, my God, there's so much. I mean, look at CBS. They got Sims, and they have Burleson, and they have James Brown. They have Cower. They're going to put, obviously, J.J. Um, Watt. J.J. Watt. Boomer. You got Boomer. I mean, you got six guys. Oh, my God. I don't need six guys talking to me about this game. Couple of guys, enough. Oh, it drives you crazy. And that's one of the reasons why I tune out. I, I can't deal with six guys talking about the same game for four and a half, five hours. It's way, way, way too much. And I'll tell you a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. And I do it all the time with the post game. And, and it's the network, NFL network, and it's also ESPN. And ESPN did this after the Lions game. They went to Campbell and they cut out. Before Campbell talked about the missed field goal, why didn't he go for the field goals? And they went back to oh, the hold studio. Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's what America wants to know right now. Why did he opt not to kick two field goals in the second half on fourth down? And they did not go to the soundbite of him answering that question. And when a losing coach especially, when he gets to that microphone after the game Sunday, I want to hear the press conference. Okay, I don't need to see Steve Young or anybody else babbling about it. Booger, and I love the guys. I yeah. want to see the freaking press conference. That goes for you too, the I NFL Network. I get it. Show me the people on the press conference, the losing coach. I want to hear the questions. I want to hear 10 straight minutes of it. And they refuse to give it to you, and it drives me absolutely that's not having a feel of the American football fan in that scenario. Losing coach of every big event as a fan, is essential. And too many producers don't understand that, and they cut out of it before you get the gist of what the losing coach has to say. I think one of the coolest things of the NFC, AFC championship games, and the Super Bowl is that a lot of times on camera, and sometimes, I remember it was Aaron Andrews a couple times, and it was uh, Chris Myers one time, and I, I got to think Wolfson does the winner, and then Evan Washburn, I guess, on CBS. I like when they interview the losing coach in the locker room right after the game, and you've got the... That's a this, good one. That's a good, but again, not as promoted as often as, hey, after this, we're going to get back to the guys in the studio. They're going to break down the game. And there's too many examples where the questions in that spot, they're generic. If somebody blows the game, I got to hear, get specific. They're afraid of getting them aggravated and everything else. Get specific. And I know it's a difficult job. You got somebody in your headset driving you crazy. But, you know, eh, for instance, when Mahomes beat the Bills, yep. okay, had him on the field, the first thing they asked, well, how about Baltimore? He Give it a second. A Give it a second. Game. I, I don't want to hear about the Ravens now. I know CBS has. I'm not interested. Talk about the first pass in the third quarter when Scottling made a big catch in the right yeah. sideline. First time in, in uh, all know. season, he had two catches for more than 30 yards. Valdez Scantling, who Mahomes has publicly supported throughout. Like that's a cool story. That's a good one. You know, talk about the idea that he won a road game in Buffalo. The fact that you heard that you couldn't win. 
and there's a, not enough of that going on, and it drives me absolutely crazy. And boy, what a bet I had. I had Scalding on the over of 16 and a half yards against the Ravens. Last play of the Last game, play he of gets the game. it. The, 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 the game, that's a great one. Uh, that, you know, it's the sideline reporting, all that stuff. Is it the game itself? Now, I love Monday mornings during the football season because I know that at 7 a.m. Eastern, there, there might not be the same amount people watching ESPN, but I, someone's I, I, you tuning got a lot in of good content to hear to what with. I have to say. And people want to hear what I, I got to say. About. When, you, when you have to write that monologue Monday after Super Bowl, week, Super Bowl Sunday, or not write, but do that at 1 o'clock or whenever the, the radio show starts, and I go back to when you guys used to recap Sopranos back at Mike and the Mad Dog, is that your favorite moment that you, when you first when get on that well, mic? And let me give you, you my do thoughts. When you monologue after a big game, there's nothing better. Now, listen, a mannequin could have done it, but Campbell is the perfect example. They played the game Sunday night. It's, at, it's over at 1030, and I'm on the next day at 3. I don't listen to any other shows. I, I, I want to make sure I'm not swayed. So when I go so in you'll, there, you'll block it right, all out. I, I, I don't follow. I mean, I watched the post game the night before, but I, the morning of, I don't watch much. But one Sunday at three, Monday at three o'clock rolls around. There's a perfect example. I'm going to go 20 minutes and I'm going to kill, in this case, Campbell, which is to me an absolute layup. Yeah. And I don't rehearse yeah. it. I have it in my head what I'm going to say, but I don't rehearse it. I just let it flow. And that is the perfect storm of a big game, controversy, terrible loss, and a night game the night before you're on. Now, if that game's Saturday, yeah. you can't do as much on Not it because you got a Not day in between. So you need the Sunday. But that is an absolute perfect storm for a talk show host like me. It's simple. And I'm good at the rants. I can talk forever. I don't have to rely on a lot of calls early. Now, for instance, on Monday, if I have a Shanahan screw-up or if I have a terrible conclusion to the game, that's an easy layup to get to the show. I'll do it at 3. I'll do it again at 5. I'll probably have something to work with on Tuesday. So I, I'll have this game, if it's got a good conclusion with some drama, it will get two or three days out of it. And that's what I need Love for it. next week. On the show. We'll wrap. We'll wrap with this. You, you and I might be the the biggest tennis fans in mainstream media as far as just openly saying how much we love the racket sports. I don't do pickleball. I don't know if you do, but I've recently no, discovered. No, I don't. I've do discovered Adele. Have you heard of Adele? Yeah, I sure with have. The now uh, it's unbelievable, Chris. Uh, where I live, where I play my tennis in Fairfield County, Connecticut, we just put a Adele court in. I love it. There's only two in Connecticut. There's one in Norwalk and one in New Canaan. And we put a Padel court in. Now, I don't play it, but all my buddies this last past of the summer loved yep. it and played it. I tried it. I still love the tennis more, but all my buddies in September did not want to play tennis doubles. They wanted to play Padel. So I'm very familiar with it. Much more than picketball they wanted to play. Now, they play the a paddle. They play a lot of that yep. in the winter. But they love yep. the Padel. We only have the one court, and getting a court, reserving it, was very difficult. Could I ever convince you to come out with me and my buddies here? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, to Would, play tennis, absolutely. In the city? Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I have not played a lot in the winter yet. Yeah. Uh, I'll play a lot once April comes. I'll play four times a week. I'll oh, play a lot it. of tennis. 
Uh, yes, absolutely. I can definitely do that. I'll come down to, you know, that. maybe on a first take day, come over and play. Yeah. Great. Um, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I could literally do this for three hours. And uh, if and when you want to give me a show on your you network, you got it. Great job. You do, do a it. wonderful job. I go to Connecticut Muffin and New Canaan every day, and they have the NFL Network on there every day. And I'm in there at about six, seven o'clock. I watch you all the time. All the time. Love this. I so appreciate you. Thanks for all you do. And uh, don't let J.J. Reddick yeah, push you around Bob Cousy. Bob Cousy was a freaking I think great they're gonna make Reddick. I think they make Reddick the uh, replacing Doc. Look for that. I think he's, he's good, good on the games. He's very good on the games. Very serious in the studio. And you and him yeah, are good counterbalance to each other. We have fun with him. We have fun. Good job, Pete. You got You're it. You're the man. Thank you, Chris. You're the best. Mad Dog Russo, uh, Aaron Wong Kaufman, my producer, you're on here. You could tell I was fanboying right out. I think I pitched myself for a show on his network six different times. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard you say kindred spirits, and I don't think I've ever heard you say it three times, four times. You, But you, you like, clearly, I mean, I have always known that you love the history of the game, and you have this recollection of stats and previous games, uh, and that was like watching. Uh, I, I mean, that, I mean, I don't know. That was like some young quarterback getting to work out with Mahomes and being like, "Wait, yeah, dude, he's referencing Keysar. Yeah, I he's re he's referencing Keysar Stadium." And I'm trying to one up him. I'm like, "He's talking about I, I, I'm talking about 57, 57 Keysar Stadium." That that's that's what I'm talking about. Um, no, he's great, and I love how he just he's got he, he's got he's got that I don't give a bleep where he's like. The CBS pregame show, you know, it doesn't do it for me. And he just like goes off and you're like, I would never do that because those are like, you know, who knows? I might be working with those guys, right? He doesn't care. He's like, I'm mad dog. I'm in my 60s. I'm going to say what I say. Uh, gosh, he was great. And uh, I so appreciate his place in the sports media landscape. That said, it is time to unveil my official Super Bowl prediction. If you listen to this podcast or you watch me on TV, you know, I've had a bit of um, good fortune with these picks over the years. We went back in the tapes. It's not five years straight. That that was a that was an outright mistake. Truth is, I've either picked the right Super Bowl matchup or the winner in the last four Super Bowls. And in this year's instance, I actually before the season picked uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers to square off. And I'll tell you, I had the Rams winning the Super Bowl. I had the Rams beating the Chiefs. The Rams actually beat the Bengals. I had the Chiefs winning last year, and I said very specifically that Nick Bolton was going to have the game-winning touchdown or the game-winning play, which he did. And I said they were going to beat the Packers. Packers didn't even make the playoffs last year. They actually ended up beating the Eagles, who I didn't even have going to the, the, the tournament before the season started. But this year, I've been spot on. And this year, I have a flawless record with every single playoff game except one. I had the Cowboys beating the Packers in the wild or in the divisional round. That is the only was that wild card round or division? That was the wild card round, right? It was wild card round. That's the only game I've gotten wrong, I think, as far as the playoffs. No, I might have had another one. Oh, I had the Browns. I had the Browns beating the Texans then. So I'm sitting pretty. I uh, flawless divisional round picks, flawless championship round picks. 
And before this season, let's go to what we did on the podcast. Let me toss to the clip. Here's what we said on September 7th before kickoff on how I thought this season's Super Bowl matchup would go. My winners from the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. I think they play a punishing brand of football that is with Nick Bosa or without. I think their defense always sets the standard. And as much as I love D'Amico Ryans, I don't think they miss that much of a beat. Without him, they keep on going. They've got young talent at every position there. And then on offense, Kyle Shanahan is a mad genius. I think he finally has a quarterback that can operate his offense that he believes he could put in trust and really get them over the hump. He's a former Mr. Irrelevant, and that is okay. I've got McCaffrey as my MVP. I think Debo has a big year. I think Ayuk has a big year. I think Trent Williams might be going out on a swan song here in his last couple of seasons, but I think he's still the best tackle in the league. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers as my team out of the NFC. As for the AFC, really, really struggled with this. Yeah, I can't pick against the Chiefs. I don't care if Chris Jones is there. I don't care if Tyreek Hill's not there. I don't care if any of those guys aren't there. I I can't pick against the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been the standard, and last year was a great lesson. I stuck with them. I picked them to win the Super Bowl despite losing Tyreek Hill. I think I might have been on an island on that, and that sounds wild considering how much success they have. I will not pick against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey until I am forced to, and I am not forced to pick against them. They are still at the peak of their game. I had a chance to spend time with them this offseason at that big, slick charity classic, and I was hanging with them, and I I swear to God, I left that thing being like, those guys are great. And then I talked to some people around the league, and I'm like, I don't know. They seem like they're having a little too good of a time this offseason with the golf and this, and they're at concerts, and it's like Mahomes and Kelsey are everywhere, and the podcast... And you want to start turning away, and then you're like, holy crap, they're just so good. I'm going with the Chiefs. I don't know how they get there. I don't know if it's through a one seed and they got they host all these games at Arrowhead. I don't know if they've got to go on the road. But like I said, just if it's one of those deals. My eyes will not deceive me. And if there's a fourth quarter and Patrick Mahomes needs to get it done in a big spot, he has gotten it done every single time. I'm going with Kansas City. Now, this was a Super Bowl a few years back in Miami. We go from one party city to the next. We go to Vegas. 49ers versus Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions for the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on CBS. Drum roll, please, Aaron. The Kansas City Chiefs will be your first back-to-back Super Bowl champion winners since the New England Patriots did it in 2003 and 2004. I am going with the Chiefs. I love what they are all about. I love that people are doubting them. And I love the fact that Mahomes and Kelsey are ready to go. That was back on September 7th. Here we are as we head towards the Super Bowl less than 48 hours away. And here's how I see it going down. I do still think it's going to be a a shootout. I know that sounds crazy. Spags' defense has been so dialed in, but you give Kyle Shanahan two weeks to prepare, you better believe you're getting the best out of Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, and then the unsung hero of this team, Brandon Ayuk, who has become an incredible wide receiver. I think you will see a couple plays to a guy they call third and Juwan. That's Juwan Johnson. I think he makes a couple big plays. I also think that offensive line is healthy. I think Trent Williams has been outstanding these playoffs. This team is going to move the ball on Spags. That's something that the Baltimore Ravens could not do. It is something that the Miami Dolphins absolutely could not do, but I have full confidence that Kyle Shanahan will dial it up in a million ways. And between he and Clint Kubiak and Brian Gr- and the rest of those offensive coaches, they will put up points. I don't know if 
we see Kadarius Tony. I think he had one of the greatest uh, out of nowhere performances in the Super Bowl last year with the big punt return and the touchdown. But I don't know if he plays in this one as he has been not on the field throughout the playoffs. But if he's out there, I'd watch for him to have a couple of cool gadget plays. Truth of the matter is, Pacheco has been as good a running back in the NFL as anyone not named McCaffrey in the last six, six weeks of the season. He is reliable. He killed the Ravens, and he killed the Dolphins a couple of weeks earlier. I think Pacheco eats. I think this game goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now, the tragedy of it all is that you know who I'm picking. I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs. The tragedy is this. It's going to be one of the great, great Super Bowls. I really do think so. Shootout, the whole deal. I think it's going to be like 21 to 21 or 24 to 21 heading into the fourth quarter. And I think that the Niners are going to have a lead. The Niners are going to have a lead at, say, 28 to 27. And it's going to be one of these deals where they're up, they're holding on. And I do think that it is going to be a Trent McDuffie pick-six in the fourth quarter that wins the game of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs defense slams the door one more time. So I've got to go in this way. 34 to 28. 34 to 28. Now, I got to figure out how that scoring works because if they're down a point, they wouldn't kick an extra point. They would go for two, whatever it is. I'm going with 34 to 28. And I cannot say it enough. Trent McDuffie, Trent McDuffie, Trent McDuffie. Now, Aaron, here's the issue. Trent McDuffie has never had an interception in the NFL. Never. And yet, I think in the Super Bowl, he saves the best for last. He's one of the most physical corners in the league. He and Sneed have been great all season. I see an interception. Bang, bang, Niner gang. I love what the Niners have done this season. I picked them to win the NFC. They have done that. It's an amazing story. And yet at the end of the day, I think it's Kelsey. I think it's Mahomes. I think it's Reed. I think it's Spagnolo. I think it's Stone Cold Chris Jones. And I think it's those guys winning another Super Bowl. The first back-to-back Super Bowl winners since 2004 when the Patriots won back-to-back Super Bowls beating the Carolina Panthers and the Philadelphia Eagles in consecutive years. Mahomes, majestic again. He will be your MVP, but Trent McDuffie will make the play. On that note, I sign off. I will see you guys next week. We'll recap the Super Bowl. This is Peter Schrager. This is the season with Peter Schrager. This is the Trent McDuffie pick six that we will be talking about for the rest of time. Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.